psychotic geeks obsessed with every little detail. It'll never get on the air. Well, I think it's good for a show to go off the air before it becomes stale and repetitive. I've just been informed that we are going off the air. Off air with Emily and Catherine. Hey, guys. It's Emily and Patra. This is another episode of Off Air with Emily and Patra. Oh my gosh, hi. <laughs> hey. So <laughs> last week's episode mm-hmm. was fabulous. Yeah, obviously. Very first episode and... We sounded like professionals. Yeah, clearly <laughs> real professional around here. Um, we discussed the Tarwacky murders and we discussed Robert Crane. That's right. And his murder. It was insane. So we've got another murder insane. for you mm-hmm. um, and some more just nonsense because who knows what to expect. <laughs> we're kind of we're kind of just, you know, we're winging it. Yeah, it's fun. It. It's fun. So last week we discussed, if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it because you're just going to get a lot of info. Mm-hmm. Um, we discussed that we originally planned on talking about three murders each. Right. Yeah, no. I mean, that you would have a five-hour-long podcast, <laughs> and I guarantee you don't want to listen to us talk for five hours. I mean, you might. I want to listen. Call to us me. Talk for five no, hours. just sorry. Call yeah. me. Beat me if you want to reach me. So, <gasps> do we want to talk about super favorite popular murder or local murder? Um. Okay. So my local murder is pretty popular. So it can go both ways. Mine works for either. So you pick which one you want to do, and then I'm just slide right in. I want to do my popular mood. Okay, let's do it. My mare dare. Okay, let's do it. Oh, I'm excited to hear your, is this like your favorite? This is, okay, so (laughs) I told you, (laughs) I I just got real excited, which is kind of creepy. I have like four, top four, like, all-time popular murders that everybody, everybody knows about. Whether or not you even like the discussion okay. or the idea or whatever. Mm-hmm. You keep creeping me out, like, looking over there. It's raining! Like, and there's a freaking clown mask sitting out on my desk. Okay. And- <sighs> I got that. I got a text from our friend mm-hmm. that was meant for you, and it accidentally sent to me, <laughs> and it said, we need to try to scare Patra on Tuesday. <laughs> Okay, it didn't work. Nobody scared me yesterday, but then I got a little bit startled today. Was not pleased. <laughs> don't like it. Don't jump oh, scare no. me. <laughs> no. No, ever. No, don't do it. Um, but yeah, you keep like looking over my shoulder. I'm concerned. I'm, like, I'm worried. The, what is back there? <laughs> um, uh, what was I saying? Oh. All right, murders. I have like four murders that everybody knows about that I'm just like, I could talk about all day long. Oh, good. So I picked one oh, of them. So you got one. So at okay. least I have three more murders to talk about before I'm like, let's do this. <laughs> do you want to go first since I went first last time? Um, Are you ready? No. Okay. I don't want to go first at okay. all. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So my murder this week is the Menendez brothers. Oh, my God. Yes. A little applause for the Menendez brothers. So, first off, did you see the Law & Order True Crime miniseries? I did not watch it. Okay, well, after this, you need to go watch it because okay. it's really good. Okay. And I've never—I prior to that, I had never heard of this because— Because <gasps> you're young. I really, She's a little younger. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm just kind of a baby sometimes. Um, <laughs> just sometimes. So. And I, so I didn't really get into, like, true crime stuff until— okay. I don't know, probably a couple years ago, five yeah, years ago. Yeah, that's normal. So. Like, as an adult, and you start to think yeah. about life and death and— <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Continue. So, I watched the Law & Order True Crime TV miniseries of this, mm-hmm. and then the, I think that's what really was like— That got you in there? Here we go. All right. <laughs> 
So the Menendez brothers. Joseph Lyle Menendez was born January 10th, 1968, and Eric Galen Menendez was born November 27th, 1970, about two years apart. Mm -hmm. um, they're brothers who are known for their conviction in a highly publicized trial for the shotgun murders in 1989 of their parents, Jose and Kitty Menendez, residents of Beverly Hills, California. Okay. I am going to interject here because we are from Columbus, Indiana. And so this happened in 1989? 1989. 1989. Just a few years after that, a teenage boy in Columbus uh, murdered his parents. <laughs> and that's like all we could think about. Oh I, I, I know. I was like 10 to 14-ish at that then. age. I know. <sighs> but anyway, that's the, I tried to find... There was like hardly any information on yeah. it because it was just a tough situation. But um, yeah. That's all we could think about was the Menendez brothers. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Anyway. Also, before I continue, this all of this information is pulled off of, like, newspapers, mm -hmm. Murderpedia, all of right. these websites. I'm not claiming to know anything about this. I'm just reading to you. <laughs> and if I get anything I wrong, I, I know nothing. Right. Check our disclaimers on our website. Exactly. <laughs> So the Menendez brothers grew up in Princeton, New Jersey. Both of them attended Princeton Day School for grade school. Wow, that's a sentence. Mm -hmm. And Lyle, the older brother, attended Princeton University. Princeton all around. After the family moved to California in 1987, their, uh, his father, oh my goodness. It's okay. Their, their father got a job at Carolco? 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 Carolco. I don't know. <laughs> Freaking English, man. <laughs> uh, he got this job okay. in California. <laughs> he got a job. Don't you worry about it. Eric attended high school in Calabasas, and Lyle was placed on academic probation at Princeton for poor grades and disciplinary probation, eventually dropping out after allegations of plagiarism. So he just wasn't okay. doing very good. Right, yeah. So the murders take place on August 20th, 1989, in the den of the family's home in Beverly Hills. Jose and Kitty were tired after... After spending the day before shark, or after spending the day before mm -hmm. shark fishing on a chartered yacht, so they were like, oh, "Goodness, wow, yeah, so fancy." Lyle and Eric were out for the evening, and both Jose and Kitty retired to the den to watch a James Bond thriller, "The Spy Who Loved Me," mm -hmm. which I think is really kind of funny because it's like real specific. Like this article was real specific. The so like, Spy Who Loved they Me. They watched James Bond that night. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, around 10 p.m., the neighbors reported hearing what sounded like firecrackers, but dismissed it. Now, this is August 20th. If you're shooting off firecrackers in the late of August, they're probably not firecrackers, neighbors. Right. Come on. Uh. Jose was shot point blank in the back of the head with a Mossberg 12-gauge shotgun. Kitty, awakened by the shots, sprang from the couch, made a run for the hallway, but was shot in the leg, causing her leg to break. And then she slips in her own blood that had run down her leg. And when she fell, she was shot several <sighs> times in the arm, chest, face, leaving her completely unrecognizable. Have you seen the crime scene photos of this? I have not. <laughs> How do you feel about crime scene photos first? I don't ever look at them because I am a precious sweet baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'm obviously I'm a demon. You're like, yeah, your eyes got real wide. You're like, have you seen the crime scene photos? It's like, whoa. So I'm obviously not a delicate, precious baby. Some of them I'm like, ooh. Um, she, I'm trying to do this without being so just like disrespectful. I know. And I, know. I don't mean just any disrespect it. by anything. You, she is the so most respectful he, person. He is sitting on the couch mm -hmm. and he's kind of just slumped over. Okay. Okay. She, Kitty is on the floor. 
puddle of blood and you literally like you literally cannot make out her face oh my gosh yeah it's it's that is and I haven't mm-hmm. I don't go and like search crime scene photos mm-hmm. I'm not like crazy like that but if it's a pride profile case I kind of want to and I know right. the pictures you know I kind of want to see because yeah. I'm curious even though I'm going to be like not able to sleep that night whatever it's fine mm-hmm. um it's like that is one of the most like gruesome things that I've ever seen it's just like oh my gosh that's a person yeah <gasps> that's your mother it's funny because even though I've not seen uh the most recent movie or the crime scene photos when you told me that he was on the couch slumped over I could picture it yeah. in my head and I don't know if it's because I have heard this story so much and mm-hmm. you know like uh, teacher moment um when you like you remember stuff from your adolescence the, yeah. the most intensely, right? Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the time frame of this for me, like your tar wacky murder. Yeah. Yeah. From last week. Uh, but I totally was like, oh, yeah. And I remember like that she was, you know, he was on the couch and she was like on the, on floor, the floor. And yeah, I just, I don't know if I've seen other shows that talked about it or, yeah. you know, a dateline about it or something. I don't know. <laughs> dateline, NBC. Oh, gosh. So both of them, after they were shot several times, um, were shot in the kneecap to make the crime appear Mm mob-related, which was, you know, real big in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, The brothers then drove off and dumped their shotguns. Spoiler alert, it's the brothers, if you didn't know this already. Oh, the brothers did it. 10 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) The brothers drove off, dumped their shotguns on Mulholland Drive, and bought tickets at a local movie theater seeing the movie License to Kill, uh, to use as an alibi. Okay. Then, 11.47 p.m., the brothers returned home. Lyle, the older brother, called 911 and cried, somebody killed my parents. Mm-hmm. The police immediately considered the brothers as suspects but had no leads to move on further with mm-hmm. it. At their trial, Eric said he spotted a shotgun shell they had left on the floor and removed it when the policeman talking to him looked away. So as they were being interrogated, like like questioned at the home when the police first showed up, he sees a shotgun shell and picks it up and hides it. Oh, my gosh. Jose frequently, the dad, frequently left the alarm system off and the gates open even after his Mercedes Benz was stolen from the front circular driveway of the house just weeks before the murders. Kitty, on the other hand, was agitated in the time leading up to the murders constantly locking her bedroom door at night, keeping a rifle in her wardrobe for safekeeping. It was very clear to her that something was troubling her. Mm -hmm. And Kitty mentioned to her psychiatrist a few weeks before the murders that she was afraid her sons might be sociopaths. Oh, my goodness. Like, what? Like, total, oh, my word. Like, Like she knew it was coming. Yeah. That's, oh, Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Okay, remind me how old the boys were again at the time of the murders. Um, Teens. Hang on. Yeah. I have it a little later. Like 17 and 19 maybe, maybe a little older than that. Yeah, I think, oh, I thought I had it in here. I don't, I'm so sorry to ask oh, you this no, question. Oh, no, it's okay, no, it's okay. Okay, I don't I don't have it. No, yet. okay, um, it's all right. I'm so sorry. So Lyle was born in 1968 and they were murdered in 1989. So what is that, 21? 21 and is that, 19? Is that how you math? Is that how you feel? I'm just going to Google how old were the Menendez. Uh, were the Menendez. This is good. You guys are liking this. Yeah. ASMR. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't either. Freaks me out. Uh, yeah. I don't. Mm, mm-mm. And when they killed, you know. When they killed their parents. When they murdered. Don't murder people. Please don't. 
18 and 21. So, yeah. 18 and 21. Okay. Yeah. So I did do that you one did. Math, right? <laughs> You did so good. So, where am I? I'm sorry. It's okay. Gosh. So, Kitty told her psychiatrist that she was afraid her son might be sociopath. In the months after the murders, the brothers led a life of luxury and lavish spending. Mm-hmm. I do remember that. Yeah. Later, adding to the investigator's suspicions that they had been involved in their parents' deaths. So get this. Lyle bought, the older brother bought, an expensive Rolex wash, watch, <gasps> Ooh. a Porsche Carrera. Oh, Lyle, homeboy, what and, are you doing? And Chuck's Spring Street Cafe. He bought a freaking cafe. Oh, after my his parents word. were brutally killed. How long after? Just months. Like months, within months. So um, <sighs> Ch- Chuck's was Chuck's Spring Street Cafe is a Buffalo Wings restaurant in Princeton. Eric hired okay. a full-time tennis coach and competed in a tournament in Israel. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't as like, I guess, what's the word? Exuberant, <clears throat> luxurious. What's the, mm. what's the word when like you like things? Material. Oh. Like he, he wasn't into material things. Like he just wanted to play tennis. Aw. So who do we feel is like the leader? Like, because you get one weirdo and then the hanger on. And this might, my opinion might be formed from the Law and Order True Crime show Mm -hmm. because they they paint a picture that Eric is very follower-esque. Okay. So I don't know if that's actually how things happened Uh and that's like his actual personality, but that's kind of how I feel. I feel like like they both collaborated on it, but Lyle or Eric might have been a little like mm-hmm. more okay. Hesitant. So they left their home unoccupied and lived in two separate penthouse apartments in Marina Del Rey. They drove around LA in their late mother's Mercedes Benz SL convertible, ate costly lunches and dinners, and went on an overseas trip to both the Caribbean and London. This is like just after the got brutally murdered. I mean, you guys have a little bit of chill here. What is going on? All right. So this is the real kicker. Okay. Prosecutors later alleged that the brothers spent around $1 million in their first six months oh, as orphans. I mean. $1 million in six months. Right after their parents died. Not yikes. just Not just die. Brutally murdered. Brutally How many murdered. times am I going to say it? Brutally murdered. <laughs> so the police didn't succeed suspect them until Eric confessed to his psychiatrist who, after Lyle threatened him, told the police. One of the exceptions to doctor-patient confidentiality occurs when the patient actually threatens the therapist, which Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. I didn't either. I knew that there was, like, there was eventually some way, but I didn't know that, like, if a patient threatens the therapist, they're like, here we go. Yeah, (laughs) done. Done with you now. So basically, don't do anything crime-related and don't threaten your therapist. Yeah. Because they're going to spill all your juicy deeds. Oh, the tea. (laughs) Yeah, they're going to spill the tea. Oh, my word. On December 8th, 1992, which is three-ish years after the murders, Mm -hmm. the Menendez brothers were indicted by the Los Angeles County Grand Jury on charges that they had murdered their parents. The Menendez brothers and the murder of their parents became a national sensation when Court TV broadcast the trial in 1993. Mm -hmm. The younger brother's defense attorney, Leslie Abramson, Abramson, played by Edie Falco in the TV miniseries. Oh, I love Edie Falco. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, that's like, okay. Like, literally perfect in it. If you don't want to watch it for any other reason, Edie Falco. Edie Falco. That's fine. Getting she, it. Like, she's completely worth it. <laughs> um, she vaulted to fame with her defense, alleging that the brothers were driven to murder by a lifetime of abuse from their parents, including sexual abuse from their father, Jose. I do remember that. I remember I remember all of this. It's so crazy. 
Yeah. Despite the defense theory, the past criminal records of the brothers stood in contrast to the escape from parental abuse theory. The trial ended in two deadlocked juries. Although the brothers were tried together, each had a separate jury. Mm -hmm. So they were sitting in the same courtroom. All this stuff is going on, but they totally each weird. had their own. Yeah, which mm -hmm. is That's a weird strange. situation. Yeah. Los Angeles District Attorney Gil Garcetti immediately announced that the brothers would be retried. The second trial was somewhat less publicized in part because Judge Stanley Weisberg refused, refused to allow cameras in the courtroom. Okay. So both brothers were convicted of two counts of first-degree murder and a conspiracy to commit murder. In the penalty phase of the trial, the jury did not support death sentences for the brothers. Yeah. <laughs> um, but instead returned recommendations of life in prison. The jury later said that the apps that the abuse defense was never a factor in their deliberations and that the jury rejected the death penalty because neither brother had a felony record or history of violence. Okay. All right. So unlike the previous trials, the jury unanimously rejected the defense theory that the brothers killed their parents out of fear, but rather that the murders were committed with the intent of gaining control of their parents' considerable wealth. Obviously, they were all about that bread. Yeah. Oh, like my goodness. Like a million dollars in six months. Like, no, no shit. <laughs> goodness. I mean. <sighs> so July 2nd, not 22nd, July mm -hmm. 2nd, 1996. This is three and a half years after the indictment. Mm -hmm. Judge Weisberg sentenced the brothers to life in prison without the possibility of parole. He sentenced them to consecutive sentences for the murders and the charge of conspiracy to commit murder. On September 10th, 1996, the California Department of Corrections separated the Menendez brothers, sending them to different prisons. Both were classified as maximum security inmates and were segregated from other prisoners. Since entering prison, both brothers have married, even though California does not allow conjugal visits for those convicted of murder or mm -hmm. for those serving life sentences, which I think that's... I think that's good because like yeah. if you committed a if you committed some crime that you are convicted of murder mm -hmm. or you're serving a life sentence, you don't get the you don't, you don't get, get the perks. No. 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 No booty. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> In January 1997, Lyle married longtime pen pal Anna Erickson, a formal former model. The marriage <sighs> reportedly ended after less than a year after she reportedly discovered that Lyle was "Quote unquote cheating on her oh. by writing to another woman. Oh, oh my goodness! <laughs> I think this part scandalous. Like this, is like this is such a terrible situation, but I think this is so freaking. It is. <laughs> How did she catch him? Did the letter go to her house yeah, by did mistake? He, did he accidentally did address another, it? Did another inmate write her and tell her? <gasps> I don't know. Scandal. Oh, I wish that was Anna, how it worked. Let us know. Anna, please, <laughs> at me. Um, in November of 2003, Lyle, then 35, married Rebecca Sneed, a 33-year-old magazine editor from Sacramento, at a ceremony in a maximum security visiting area of Mule Creek. Mule Creek. That why does that word look sat word look and sound so wrong? Say it. Mule? Mule. Mule? Yeah. Just mule? Yeah. Don't make me say it too much or now I won't be able to <laughs> do it. Mule Creek State Prison. Whatever. <laughs> Lyle and Rebecca had reportedly known each other for 10 years approximately prior to their engagement. So, mm -hmm. I mean, at least they knew each other. Right. And weren't just like writing to each other and then like, oh, we're going to get married. I'm going to marry a murderer. In marry a murderer. <laughs> 1997, Eric was reportedly married through a telephone ceremony at Folsom State Prison. Oh. In June 1999, Eric, then 28, married... What? How are they getting all these late? I mean, I remember the pictures of them when they were young, but I mean... <sighs> so they obviously... He obviously divorced his first 
they obviously divorced because he then gets married. I just was real confused. Mm-hmm. He gets married again in June 1999. He was 28 years old. Eric was married. Tammy Ruth Sackman, Sackleman, 37, mm-hmm. who was nine years older, which whatever. Whatever. It happens at Folsom State Prison in a prison waiting room. Tammy, you would think, I'm just, I'm sorry, but you would think at 37, you'd be wise enough to know not to marry a murderer. You would think I'm 37 and I am not, uh, I'm not about it. You're not going to go marry anybody that's sitting in jail for life? No, I don't care how cute their curly hair is. (laughs) Is he the one with curly hair? Which one was that? I think he was. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, So Tammy later stated that their wedding cake was a Twinkie. Uh, Of course it was because you can get that from, what's it called? Commissary. Commissary. Yeah. Yes. So uh, she continues to say, we improvised. It was a wonderful ceremony, ceremony until I had to leave. It was a very lonely night. Oh, <gasps> well, if you didn't marry a murderer oh, girl, who was I'm convicted sorry. in prison, you wouldn't be lonely. Oh, you do not have any. <laughs> it's just weird. Like, that to me is just like the weirdest thing. You're like, yeah, you were lonely, idiot. What did uh, you expect? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm sorry, Tammy. Nope, she's not. (laughs) She's laughing at you. (laughs) In an interview with ABC News in October 2005, Eric's wife, Tammy, stated that her relationship with Eric, husband of six years, is something that I've dreamed about for a long time. And it's just something so very special that I Mm. never thought I would ever have. Oh, my god! Nobody plans on marrying a murderer. I'm not sorry. Marrying a murderer is our new show. Yeah. yeah. Which one of us is going to do it? Not me. Dang it. I mean, you're already married, but <laughs> no, not me. Uh, <laughs> Somebody else do it and just like send us daily letters. Yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> there you go. Regarding his sentence to of life without parole, Eric has stated, Tammy is what gets me through. I can't think about the sentence. When I do, I do it with a great sadness and primal fear. I break into a cold sweat. It's so frightening. I haven't, frightening. I haven't come to terms with it. Ugh. Don't murder people. And I'm you frightened. Have to have these yeah. Feet. In thoughts. So so frightened. I'm almost done. <laughs> Eric reportedly works as a night janitor and shares a six by nine foot cell with another prisoner. Mm-hmm. As of 2008, both were in the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation System. Lyle was being held in Mule Creek State Prison at Io- in Ione. Mm-hmm. Is that how you say that in California? Is that in Cal? Yeah, that's in California. Sure, sure. Eric was in Carson. <laughs> Freak Midwest. Preach, right? Right. Eric was incarcerated at the Pleasant Valley State Prison in Coalinga. Earlier this year. I wondered if you were going to talk, talk about that. Oh, oh. So cool. Earlier this year in April, the brothers actually reunited in San Diego's R.J. Donovan Correctional Facility, where Eric, who is now 47. Oh. Mind you, he was 18 oh, in the time of the word. Murder, moved into the same housing unit as Lyle, who is now 50. <gasps> Oh, I'm just thinking of those, like, young boys that I remember. They seemed my age. I mean, I'm younger than them, but they seemed my age, teenagers, and I was getting ready to be a teenager, Mm -hmm. and they're in, you know, 50 or almost 50, 50. and I mean, I feel like if they would have not spent so much money and not been just, like, insane right after, they could have gotten away with it. I feel like they— were thinking that they were playing it cool. <gasps> but in reality, every single step that they made, it was like, dude, like that's I don't what a murderer just, would do. Why don't you just walk into the prison right now? Yeah. Like, go ahead, find just, your spot. Yeah, just have a seat. go get comfortable. Because <laughs> you're my like, obviously it's you. Also, I just want to say the the miniseries. Yeah. They casted perfectly. Really? Oh, oh yeah. the boys. Yeah. The boys, they're men. They're men now. Oh. They're old men now. Not mm. the 50s old. <laughs> like, that's They're really still, not that old. Yeah, no. But 
But <sighs> I'm sure they feel like old men. Oh, I'm sure. Being locked up in a six by nine foot cell. Uh, <gasps> Twinkie for your wedding cake. No conjugal visit. <laughs> shouldn't have spent that $1 million in six months. Oh, oh my gosh. Or maybe shouldn't have killed your parents. What? Don't <laughs> kill your parents? Okay. Like if you wanted that money so bad, they're going to die eventually. I hate to tell you. Emily. Emily. I feel I'm calling your mom. I don't call my mom because <laughs> I might cry. Like, that makes me so sad. I know. About. You can tell you're sad. Like I'm, I you don't even like, mean it. She didn't mean it. Even if my parents were like multi-million dollars, which they're not, they're probably like multi-dollar, dollars, <laughs> multi-dollar, dollar heirs. Dollar heirs. Dollar heirs. <laughs> Yes. Like, even if they were multimillionaires or whatever, and I was going to get this whopping grand inheritance, mm-hmm. like, keep it. Because that means I get to keep you. Right? <laughs> you know? Yes, please. Like, okay. Right. Your turn. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. That was a good one. I liked it. Yeah. Okay. So, mine, I guess, is not as popular as the Menendez brothers. There has not been a recent—it's kind of recent, there, but there was not, like, a recent— um yeah. Thing about Event. it. Okay. So when this, our movie came out, 2000s hour, like, <laughs> <laughs> like I had a hand in this. Um, mine and Sylvia's movie. We're talking about the murder of Sylvia Likens. <gasps> yeah, right? From It's an Indiana murder. Sweet 16 year old, sweet, who knows? 16 year old girl. I mean, 16 year old girl is sweet. <laughs> Blah. Anyway, I'm just kidding. I have Amelia. a 16 year old daughter. I know. Whoops. Um, so anyway, in 2007, she was played by Ellen Page. Now, does this ring a bell at all? Yeah. It was called An American Crime. Yeah. Ugh. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it sounds anyway. familiar. I don't know that I actually, like, know it, but it sounds, I, I like, I Yeah, I've definitely it. seen it a couple of times. Um, and they do a good job of not showing the dirty details, but getting it across, which I, I love movies like that. Because I don't like to see the the stuff, but I, I when you tell about it or I hear about it, I'm like, <gasps> Yeah. yeah, I want to know, but I don't want to say it. No, yeah. thank you. Anyway, Sylvia was um, living with Gertrude Banaszewski. Right. Yep, Banaszewski. <laughs> Banaszewski. Banaszewski. We're going to go with that one. Okay. Um, in, let's see. Gertrude. Gertrude. <laughs> the, Trudy. <laughs> sorry. I'm so, I'm so sorry. No, no, it's good. <laughs> um, in the summer th- slash fall of 1965, 16 years old, she was held captive, abused, and tortured to death over a period of three months by Gertrude and her children and other neighborhood children. Yes. That was the—it cr- was so crazy because, like, in the movie, the scene is, like, you see the kids— like you, you're from Sylvia's point of view, yeah. like, and you just are like downstairs in the basement, and, and like, you oh my gosh, see, kids, thank yeah, you're you. like, oh, I'm gonna be saved. No, we're here to just like bash your yeah. face. Yeah. Oh my. Okay. Lanta. So, Lycan's parents, um, they were carnival workers. Sylvia's parents were carnival workers, and okay. they had left her, um, with, I think, like a relative who then couldn't take care of her, and then they started leaving her with the Banaszewski family and paying Gertrude to take care of her $20 a week in the 60s. Paying Gertrude to beat. Yeah. So that would be like probably a hundred-ish bucks now. What do you think? I'm going to look You're going to look at that? Okay, please do. Um, Gertrude's daughter, Paula, her son, John, and two neighborhood boys, Coy Hubbard and Richard Hobbs, were tried and convicted of torturing and murdering this girl, um, the case was described by the prosecutor as the most terrible crime ever committed in Indiana. And no one, like, I mean, this was four, 
50. Gosh, why is math so hard? Because 75, 85, 95, 05, 15. 53 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's still like n- known as the most horrendous one. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, real quick. $20 in 1960 compared to 2016, mm-hmm. 162 bucks. 162 bucks. So that's kind of, I feel as a mom, kind of like average um, daycare prices. Yeah. So it, if you're leaving your child there to live, that's kind of cheap, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, Gertrude herself didn't have a great life. Um, her parents abused her. Her husband abused her. <sighs> We're, so all she knew was abuse. Abuse, but still. Anyway, we're moving on. Um, so Sylvia's dad agreed to pay $20 a week in exchange for care of the Lycan's girls. So there were two kids. So they paid $20 for, for two, two children. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. only Sylvia was really harmed. I don't know. They have some speculations as to why Sylvia was the one that was harmed. It seems kind of like because she was not the smart one, but... You know how um, she just seemed to have her head on shoulders and kind of have, like, a good, you know, like, she put the right foot forward. And that sometimes can make people feel uncomfortable or jealous or even as a grown woman, you Mm -hmm. know, you see, like, like, I'm totally jealous of Emily. I'm going to murder the crap out of her later. (laughs) Oh, no. Anyway. um, (laughs) Do it. (laughs) Just kidding. Anyway, so they would kind of just, like— Bank the crap out of these two girls. I, okay. It feels like Gertrude had a rough life. It was the 60s. A ton of kids were around. And spanking um, was a thing. Spanking was a thing. I mean, yeah, for sure. So they would paddle their bare bottoms mm-hmm. a lot. But the abuse was mainly focused on Sylvia. She would accuse her of stealing candy. She would humiliate her. She once found out that she had a boyfriend. And uh, Gertrude's daughter, uh, Paula, was actually pregnant at the time. And so she kicked Sylvia in the stomach and genitals repeatedly and accused her of being pregnant. But your own daughter's pregnant. But your own daughter's pregnant. Um, she was obviously she, not right. In unstable, the yeah. She would accuse her of prostitution and, I mean, just insane stuff. Um, she would allow the older kids to beat on her as well, push her down the stairs, like, to the basement. Disgusting. This, um, and um, during a, ch- a church function, she force-fed Sylvia hot dogs until she vomited, like, in public. Ew. Yeah. Ew. Then once she vomited, she forced her to eat it. That's the kind. I know. I know. Oh, my gosh. No, stop. And she was also forced to eat other things that came out of other places. Ew. Yes, ma'am. Yes. I'm like. 16 years old. Your parents are carnies. Your little sister's there. So, I mean, if you don't take it, what's going to happen to your little sister? Exactly. I'd have that mentality. I'd like. Yeah. If I were in that situation, God forbid, I would have that mentality. Just give it. Just put it all on me. So, yeah. They don't have to deal with it. Anyway, this was my breakfast. It's never going to happen now. <laughs> it's going to be— After the vomit comment, be, yeah. I'm not eating this orange-flavored yogurt, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so they would force her to eat poop, drink pee. Ugh. Yeah. Um, they would use her as a practice dummy for judo. <gasps> they cut her. They burnt her with cigarettes. Um, and they were really into—maybe because they were teenagers, you know, like— it was like a mom and a bunch of teenage children that were doing it. They were really, like, they focused a lot on her genitals. To, oh. Not, like, 
penetration, but just to injure her. Yeah. Um, and I definitely feel like that's an age thing if if mom didn't wasn't like, hey, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She was kind of obsessed with them being like dirty and prostitutes and su- seductive. Yeah. I mean, they're just children. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like 16 and 13, I think. Just trying to grow up. Yeah. So she would make the sister um, hit Sylvia or she would be punished by being hit herself. So mm-hmm. Sylvia's sister had to, like, assist in the abuse. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so Sylvia eventually became incontinent due to all the torture, which would cause— she was denied access to the bathroom, and she would be forced to urinate on herself, and then they would use that to punish her as well by making her take, like, boiling hot showers and, and like, throw boiling water on her. I mean, <gasps> they went insane with this woman or with this poor girl. Um, so eventually they allowed her to sleep upstairs because um, if she slept upstairs, she would stop wetting herself, and I think they just got tired of cleaning it, even though it was, like, fun torture for a while. While she was up there, she tried to escape. Mm-hmm. Good for her. And um, they overheard her and they, um, the plan was to blindfold her and like kill her and dump her mm-hmm. body somewhere. Um, but I don't know if they just couldn't quite do the murder. Like they, uh, Sylvia died, um, sorry, due to cerebral hemorrhage, shock, and malnutrition. So it was not like, it wasn't, she didn't die while a hand was being put on her. Yeah. Anyway, I feel like maybe they just couldn't bring themselves to that. They were kind of leading up to it, but they weren't ready yet Mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, So they basically like chained her up and started depriving her of water. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, Let's see. On October 25th, that's when she tried to escape. I'm so sorry. October 22nd was when they stopped giving her water. Mm-hmm. Um, on October 26th, after multiple beatings, burning, scalding baths, she died of brain hemorrhage, shock, and malnutrition at 16 years old. When um, Stephanie, which was one of the children, realized that she wasn't breathing, she tried to give her mouth to mouth, but Gertrude shouted at them that Sylvia was faking it. Yeah, so they they discontinued mouth-to-mouth. When they realized that Sylvia was actually dead, she sent a neighbor kid, Richard Hobbs, who was convicted as well, I believe, uh, to call the police from a nearby phone. And when they arrived, she handed them a letter that she had forced Sylvia to write a few days previously. However, Jenny, Sylvia's sister, went to the police and said, get me out of here and I'll tell you everything. Yeah, good for her. Yeah, so her statement um, combined with, other people kind of like, hey, because this girl like went to school and then she had to stop going to school. Like, where did she go? But it was the 60s. Nobody really was like, where's that 16-year-old girl? She's supposed to be in high school. It was like, yeah, oh, maybe. Like, oh, she probably got, got a job or has, having some kids. Yeah, it wasn't a big deal. Um, okay. Oh, the gosh. minors who took part in the abuse were also put on trial. Paula, age 17. John, age 13. Richard Hobbs, age 15, and Coy Hubbard, aged 15. So those two boys at the end were not related. They were just neighborhood kids. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, Gertrude had a daughter that was 11 that was asked to the stand as a witness for the defense, and she broke down and admitted that she had been forced to um, heat a needle, which Hobbs had carved words into Sylvia's skin with. So this is an 11-year-old girl. Um. I mean, I just can't—I feel like this woman, this Gertrude, she, yes, she—the Sylvia thing is awful. 
all these other children were so damaged by her as well. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I just, it, it's upsetting. Um, it's very upsetting. Paula gave birth to her daughter during the trial, and she was convicted of second-degree murder, uh, sentenced to life in prison. Gertrude was convicted of first-degree murder. She was spared the death penalty and sentenced to life in prison. Richard Hobbs, Coy Hubbard, and John Jr. were all convicted of manslaughter and given two to 21-year prison sentences. Mm. So that's that's how, I mean, it kind of ended up. Gertrude, um, by the time she came up for parole in 1985, was already known by the prison nickname Mom. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, like she's this caring, loving person in prison, I guess. Yeah, because she's a real motherly figure. Like, come on. Right? I mean, so, okay. Her parole hearing was really upsetting in the Indiana community. Jenny and her family appeared on TV to speak out against the parole. Um, Members of two anti-crime groups— traveled to Indiana to oppose her parole and support the Likens family. There was like a sidewalk campaign, which I mean, you know, like in the eighties, that's kind of when that sort of thing, mm-hmm. you know, um, wow. despite all their efforts, no, she was granted parole. No. During the hearing, she stated, I'm not sure what role I had in it because I was on drugs. No. I never really knew her. I take full responsibility for whatever happened to Sylvia. The parole board, taking her good behavior in prison into account, voted in favor, Uh, granting freedom, and she was released. No. Did somebody kill her? I don't think so. Uh, Let's see. Is she alive? Oh, my goodness. That makes me so angry. I know, and I wish you could see her—I'm just going to show you a picture of her. Like, I know. Could you imagine that face? That face— this, she, oh, I know. No. She looks like, I don't know, just mean. She looks mean. She looks like, she looks like a mean grandma that you would see in like an old timey film. Like yeah. She's like the lady that plays the nasty old grandma who's just crotchety and. Yes. She, she seems like, um, like you'd go over there and you'd want like a snack and you'd want like a and cookie. And she'd give you an unsalted saltine. Oh my gosh, an unsalted saltine is the worst thing I can and think like of. And like lukewarm water. <laughs> I I love that. Ugh. Anyway, um so Gertrude's daughter Stephanie, she was also on on trial but she turned state's evidence against the other defendants, so she she did okay. Okay, are you ready for this bit? I don't know. On May 10th, 2015, Sylvia's sister Diana, who had been using the name Diana Bedwell and her husband Cecil were reported missing by their son, Robert. <gasps> they had been gambling at the Valley View Casino in Valley Center, California, and surveillance video recorded the couple leaving this casino about 2 p.m., but they did not show up at their son's house. Um, the son contacted police and appeared on television asking the public's help in finding his parents. On May 25th, so 15 days later, the couple was found in a mountainous area of an Indian reservation by members of a volunteer party. Cecil was dead, and Diana was severely dehydrated. Um, They were kind of just—they told—she told told investigators they were looking for a shortcut when they got lost and became stuck on a rugged road. But can you imagine? (sighs) Do you know what I mean? Like, being a member of that family, two weeks, there would be no way I would expect to have that person return to me alive. No. No way. But she she made it. Well, that's good. (sighs) 
Anyway. I mean, oh my. Oh. Yeah. Now was that the was that the younger sister that was there? Yes. Oh my. Yes. That poor lady. I know. I know. Oh. I what know. a hand. So let me see if um, Gertrude's alive. Let me just let me just look that up real okay, quick. You're fine. What like? Oh my gosh, that entire I don't like that one. <laughs> I know. I hate it. Like That's, I mean, I do. Like it, the cat. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay, she did die of lung cancer in 1990. I hope it hurt. I do too. Mom, can you imagine that? That's the mo- that is so upsetting to me. Oh, and you know she waltzed in that prison and was like, I didn't do anything. Like, I was just trying to take care of this sweet baby. Right? Yeah, right. Okay. So, I mean, watch An American Crime. It's a really good movie. It's not super, like, it's not flashy, but it's so good. (sighs) So, we had to take a break there just for a second because it is tremendously storming. Yeah. And I drive a Volkswagen bug, excuse me, and the water on the street was literally like half an in, inch from going in my door. Encroaching on your, how mad would you have been? Oh my gosh. And my luck with cars at this location. Seriously. So mad. I would have quit. <laughs> I would have just quit or taken a bus, Ugh. walk every day. God. Oh my goodness. So yeah. Wow. I just. Mm-hmm. What do you think? And you hadn't heard of that one? No. I don't know. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. That, like, hurt my heart. I know. That, like, really hurt. I know. All those kids, all the kids that were involved. A 13-year-old, an 11-year-old who is crying on the stand because she knows, because at 11, you know stuff, that she, like, kind of took part in it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my lanta. I know. That's just, oh. Wow. Wow. Wild stuff. Wow. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> That was week two, jumping right into it. I know. (laughs) Okay. So uh, we go like our Facebook page. So do you know what you're going to talk about next week? Mm -hmm, I do. Yeah, Yeah. I know what I'm going to talk about too. It's my local, local one. It's a Columbus, Indiana one. Mine's a Kentucky, Indiana one. (gasps) You'll see next week. (laughs) Oh. So go like us on Facebook. Uh, It's Off Air with Emily and Patra. You can also find us on Instagram where we're going to post, where we post um, like the mug shots of our our current murders that week and that kind of stuff. So you guys know what we're talking about this week and what to look forward to. That's Off Air with EP. Mm -hmm. And we've got a website too where you can catch up with the latest episode, offairwithep.com. Oh, my goodness. Like, rate, and subscribe so we can get up on the iTunes page. Okay, thanks. Bye.